and welcome to the final edition of Lost in Science for the Annus Horribilis that was 2020. Uh, we're lucky enough this week to have Chris with us again. Yay! Yay! I'm hoping that I'll be back in the in the new year. I've got to say, this is not going to be like a, I'm not going to be a special guest every time. I know I'm not the um. <laughs> Uh, I forgot the name of it. Who was the wolf from Melrose Place? There was always a special guest. Heather Locklear. Oh, Heather Locklear, yeah. yeah. Permanent <laughs> special guest. Not the Heather Locklear Chris, Chris Lost in That is a old reference, but <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, look, old references are fine. Uh, Chris, what have you got for us? I mean, it is the final show of the year. Yeah, well, I thought I would look back on some of the things of 2020. Now, we're not... I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to tend to talk about COVID too much. I think we talked about that a lot, but yeah. there's been a lot of weird things happening in 2020. And something that kept coming up throughout the year was news about alien life. Um, and I can't think of how many times I saw like a tweet that says something along the lines of who had aliens on their 2020 bingo card. And it's like, <laughs> it starts being novel when it gets to about like the third or fourth time that people are going, oh, it's aliens. So I am going to do a bit of a rundown of some of the alien news, but particularly the most recent, which only came out, um, yeah, about a, a week or so ago. Claire, what have you got for us? 2020, we did talk a lot about COVID, um, but something, you know, there there are inevitably stories that we did miss, um, all about human and animal relationships. So I guess we're sort of in this mess because of, um, you know, the exploitation of wildlife. It sort of got us into this, this COVID-19 mess. But um, there was some research around, some really interesting research looking around a new sense in dogs has been reported. Um, there's some incredible research around the Tassie devil and also an animal, get this, that is eaten by another animal, goes through the digestive tract and is excreted and stays alive. So I'm going to tell you all about that animal, who it is, what it is, because um, it's the first case of that happening. And I think it's quite a good analogy for um, for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> if you've so had You've had a gut full of 2020. You've had a gut full of 2020. Just, you know, think like this animal and it'll all be okay. And we will literally come out the other side. Unreal. And also I have uh, a little bit of a roundup. Just so much stuff's happened that we missed on the show. But I just wanted to talk about some of the space stuff that's been going on. Some of it's quite silly and some of it's kind of a bit almost like satire of itself but there there is some real space science in there as well so i'll just be talking about um some spacey stuff uh later in the show so please stay tuned for all those stories Okay, yes, it is kind of the closing hours, days of 2020, and uh, what a year it's been. Um, and one thing that's kept popping up, as I said, among all the different kind of weird things that happened this year is the threatening kind of appearance of alien life. They've always just kind of been just on the horizon. Um, I think the first kind of time this really kind of jumped to attention and, and it booted out like the murder hornets from people's consciousness. Don't know if you remember the murder <laughs> That's hornets. right, the murder hornets. I remember that. Oh, what simple days they were. 
Um, but yeah, earlier this year, there were the Pentagon declassified some videos of UFO encounters. Um, and this is the kind of thing that goes, oh, the Pentagon is finally admitting that aliens are real. Mm, of course they were doing no such right. thing. Yeah, remember that? Back in, yeah. back in, I think it was April this year. Yeah. I just, I just find it so odd that, you know, the, the Pentagon confirms UFOs. Well, yeah, but UFO means unidentified flying object. They're confirming there's some stuff they mm. couldn't explain at the time. That's not a confirmation of anything, but there's some stuff they couldn't explain at the time. And essentially that's you all know. it was. It was just some moving things on, on videos. Um, look, it's also accompanied by reports uh, from personnel and um yeah look i don't know you can take it it's uh, we, we have actually discussed this stuff before on the show i looked up the archives it sounded familiar i looked up in the archives and back last year this stuff had hit the new york times so reporters there had reported on it um the only really news this year was that it was declassified so the kind of the Navy officially released the footage and acknowledged it, but really there's no new information. There's not much you can say from a scientific point of view. There are other explanations for it, um, for what was seen. As you said, you know, just because they're unidentified doesn't mean that they're actually aliens. It's kind of, yeah, there's so much noise, I suppose, that it's hard to find out what actually is the real thing there. So until the aliens turn up and say, hi, we can't do much about that. Um, aliens that may not be saying hi, though, are the possible existence of extraterrestrial life in the atmosphere of Venus due to the detection of a molecule, which I believe is pronounced phosphine. Is that correct, people? That's correct. We talked to uh, Dr. Alice Gorman about that this, this year, yeah, so, um, space archaeologist. Yeah, so there was quite an interesting thing. There has been a development on that front with the phosphine. So this was basically, it was a molecule that on Earth is only produced by microbes. And so detecting this in the atmosphere at fairly high concentrations you know, on Venus gave an indication that there could potentially be some sort of um, microscopic life in the clouds of Venus. Venus is known for being extremely hostile to life otherwise. Their temperature on the surface is over 400 degrees Celsius. Um, the atmosphere is full of sulfur dioxide and sulfuric acid rain and this kind of stuff. Not a very nice place to, to live, you could imagine. But yeah, this is quite intriguing, this signal. A lot of people were very skeptical, of course, as always mm. when there is alien news. Um, but the, the team who did it, they were using our radio telescopes in Chile. They, um, and they found this, this spectral signal of this molecule. They saw another weird signal in their data that so they went back and reanalyzed it and found they had made an error and they had overestimated the concentration of the phosphine molecules in the atmosphere of venus um not by a great amount i think from what i'm seeing it's probably only about seven times they got it seven times more they had reported than it actually is that um, sort of seems like quite quite a large magnitude doesn't it it no? is but when you've got something that kind of shouldn't be there in much concentration right, at okay. all it's still so it's yeah. now it's kind of they've sort of downgraded their discovery to tentative rather than Tentative alien. Yeah, tentative aliens, I suppose. So Better, uh, than, better than tentacled aliens, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so basically all we need is, yeah, it's, as usual, there needs to be more data, but it's, it's not as exciting as the first reports, I suppose, indicated. Um, mm. And of course, as is always the case, this follow-up kind of reanalysis and... Uh, sorry, did not make the no. no. This this this, this um re uh, yeah repurposing of what's happening in Venus. Yeah, 
Um, mm-hmm. Other alien news. Oh, and the other one that this is this doesn't really count, but this kind of when people go, oh, aliens was remember the monolith. Oh, a few yeah. weeks ago, the oh mysterious monolith, the first one appeared in Utah. Um, they've popped up all over the world. Um, obviously, not aliens. I don't think anyone ever seriously thought there was aliens, especially when people went and had a look at it and sort of was like poorly constructed with rivets and... It's got rivets and stuff. Which is not to say that aliens wouldn't use rivets. We don't know it was until they had to do their job. But um, yeah, that was like a, an art project, which still doesn't really understand. I don't really understand what they were getting at. But hey. Um, I don't know it. art, I mean, but it, you know it, what you like. That's right. I know what I don't understand, <laughs> Stu. Uh, but yes, the most recent alien news was a, uh, a signal that was discovered by the Breakthrough Listen Project. Um, this is... It's hard to know what to say about this because it hasn't been published yet, the paper. It was leaked to the Guardian newspaper. So they reported it and other people have picked it up and since other people have done interviews with the scientists as a result of it. Um, so what it is, is a radio signal detected from seems to be coming from Proxima Centauri, which is the closest star to uh, our sun. And it has a couple of planets orbiting it, one which is potentially in the habitable zone. It's as if it's a rocky planet in the habitable zone of the star. Um, so it's kind of interesting thing. It's kind of be, seems like a huge coincidence. There could be another civilization that close. It's only 4.2 light years away. However, the scientists who found the signal are pretty sure that it's not going to turn out to be an extraterrestrial signal. Um, these signals generally tend to be something that's human-made, that somehow got mixed up in the data, so they're trying to work that out. Even if it is, it's not really clear what it would be. We could even have a natural source. Um, the signal apparently is just, it's a really narrow, um, basically, radio signal um, at a certain specific frequency, um, which is highly unusual for a natural source to produce that but it doesn't appear to have any data content it's just basically a single beam of um radio waves that doesn't appear to be modulated in any way um so it doesn't really look like an alien signal um yeah it's a bit it's a bit mysterious what's interesting about it though is that um this signal was found so the breakthrough listen project it's something that was set up by a um, by Yuri Milner, who was like a tech billionaire, um, who was actually a physicist himself. And he's basically started all these kind of physics-related projects. And um, what it does, it uses, you know, it gets time on various radio telescopes around the world to do to look for um, these alien signals. And this one was done with the Parkes Radio Telescope in Australia that was actually watching Proxima Centauri because they were trying to work out whether there was um, essentially solar flares or more serious coronal mass ejections from the Proxima Centauri star. Um, they recently announced they had discovered what they think was a coronal mass ejection. They basically saw a big bright flare from the star accompanied by uh, very strong radio waves um, which is a good sign that there's these massive solar flares Um, and what that would mean is that uh, essentially it's really hostile to life then in that solar system that if it's got that kind of intense activity from the star now Proxima Centauri itself is a red dwarf so it's a much smaller star than our sun Um, the planets orbit much closer to, to the star then in our solar system. I think the one that is the rocky planet has an orbital period of like 11 days. So it's mm. year is 11 days long. So it's very close. Um, you can imagine there's, there's enormous solar storms and stuff happening. It's going to be pretty hard for life to survive in such an environment. Mm-hmm. So that makes it 
another reason why it's hard to believe that this would be actually an alien civilization on that planet. But who knows? Um, also, it appears to be the signal comes coming from that direction. It could be from behind that star. There could be something mm. further distant that's producing it. So we don't know yet. So more data needs to be made. Um, ideally, if someone else detected the same signal, would give you a good indication of what it actually is. Um, but that one we won't know until more data is, is recorded and the paper is actually published, which will be sometime next year. So maybe it doesn't even count as 2020 news. I don't know. We should count it. Okay. Count it. Okay, we'll yeah. count it. And we'll say the summary yeah. of alien news from 2020 is aliens yeah. not quite here yet. Across Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science. So it has been a weird year for humans, but also for human and animal relationships. Um, think about it. The exploitation of wildlife sort of got us into this COVID-19 mess, um, passing to us through wild animal vectors, potentially a bat and then a pangolin in the wet markets of Wuhan. That story seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, it does. Yes. Then during lockdown, we all began to realise that our pets uh, were fundamental for our mental health and well-being, um, and all the animal shelters, you know, emptied out as animals started being adopted um, and a lot of research has come out you know as a result of that that um, having pets during those lockdown periods of isolation um, have helped us feel less lonely and report less feelings of anxiety depression um, and I've got then- to say I've got to say I'm not sure that the pets were all that happy about it who were already at home um, <laughs> certainly. Certainly our cat was not impressed that we were just here all the time uh, th- getting in, in the way of her sleeping wherever she wanted to. I think that might be fairly dependent on the species of animal. Dogs? I'm sure. Pretty happy, I imagine. Cats? Yeah. A bit like, what is going on? Yeah, that was, that was basically the look that I would get every day. Why, why are you here? Why are you still here? Exactly. You've got places to go. Don't you? What's wrong with you if you don't have places to go? Oh dear! And then, um, and then when humans moving around a lot less, uh, you know, planes not taking off as much, and um, you know, us not getting into big dirty vehicles, our world became a cleaner place for a lot of animals on this earth as well. Uh, so inevitably though there have been some major animal related stories that haven't had the coverage that they deserve. Because, you know, COVID news has taken up a lot of space this year. So I'm going to update you on three of my favourite animal-human stories um, of 2020. And the first one relates to dogs, of course. Now, not only did dogs help us through lockdown across the world, um, and as we uh, as we did a story on and um, talked to some researchers from Adelaide this year, scientists figured out that Dogs can sniff out COVID-19 and we can train them to do that very well. Um, But we also found out some really interesting information about their noses. Now, not only are they up to 100 million times more sensitive than our noses, but interestingly, what we never knew, um, but that's just been shown, is that dog noses can sense really weak thermal radiation. So we knew that they could smell obviously, and have incredible smell, but we didn't know that they can detect thermal radiation only using their noses. 
And this can that's, help. That's pretty amazing. They can sniff the heat out of something. Yeah, they can sniff the heat. Um, so, and it sort of explains how dogs with, you know, that have poor eyesight or, you know, have lost a bit of their hearing uh, and smell, they can still hunt successfully. So this is sort of a, um, this is a, this is a wolf trait uh, mm. that's, that's sort of passed down. And it's only, you know, this ability to sense a really weak radiating heat, It's you only see it in a couple of animals. You've got a type of beetle, um, a couple of types of snakes, um, and and in one species of mammal, and that's the vampire bat. So, and all of these use their, um, the ability to sense that heat to hunt prey. Now, I really like this idea because I love um, experiments with dogs in them. Um, very very cute but yeah so researchers tested by training pet dogs to choose between a warm object and an ambient temperature object um now the warm the warm object was only 31 degrees so it's not that warm you know Mm. 31 degrees it's i I mean scientists could not detect well could could only detect the difference between these two objects if they touched them they couldn't sort of like really detect ambient radiation sort of coming out of them from a distance and then they placed the objects um one and a half meters away from the dogs and the dogs were able to smell the difference between the objects um and then they also tested them on a double blind and the 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 dogs were fine with that so i mean that's that's pretty amazing to be able to smell from a distance of one and a half meters um an object that we can't even you know, tell the difference in temperature unless we we touch it. So amazing work, dogs. We love you even more now. Okay, story number two um, that you need to know is that things are starting to look up for the Tassie Devil. So it's been a big year for Tassie Devils. You know they've been afflicted by their own transmittable cancer, the Tasmania Devil Facial Tumor Disease, uh, which causes cancer um, and tumors on the mouth and the face and the neck can cause starvation um, and it's transmitted via biting now the disease the disease has decimated their population throughout the last 20 years but this year um, in response to the facial tumor scientists um, have successfully reintroduced um, 26 tasmanian devils onto the mainland to create this sort of you know um this this population an insurance population if you will um so, so it's just a just a geographically geographically isolated population so yeah. that so that and and these are all disease-free yep. devils as well i guess yeah exactly right. yeah and it's the first time in three thousand years that there's been you know wild tasmanian devils on the mainland um it's part of a project called Aussie Ark and it's located up in um, up in the highlands of Barrington Tops National Park in New South Wales. So it's pretty wet, um, you know, a very similar geography uh, to, to the, the places that you'd find Tasmanian devils down in Tassie. Um, and also relating to Tassie devils, this week new research published in Science suggests that the Tassie devils that remain in Tasmania um, have shown that they can actually coexist with the Tasmanian devil facial tumour. So what they're seeing down there is the infection rate of that tumour um, is declining and it's declined quite a lot since it's first emerged. So that's sort of suggesting that that population's um, actually showing signs that it can coexist with the disease. So it's not racing through the population and killing everyone anymore. It's really slowing down. So that's really great news for 
um, for the wild devils that that um, continue to to live in Tassie as well as the as well as the population that that's uh, been introduced into New South Wales. And incredible animal story number three. It comes in the form of the toughest beetle around. Now I love beetles. They're incredibly diverse and and um, in fact, one in every four animals on earth is a beetle. I roll that, um, roll that fact out quite a lot, if you have heard me say that before. So it's no surprise that this year, researchers documented a water beetle that can survive from go to woe the digestive tract of a frog. So, yes, you heard how, me correctly. How, how large is this beetle? <laughs> it can't be particularly big. It's it? not particularly big. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the size, um, but yeah, it can get eaten and then come out the other end and still live. Um, instead of like succumbing to the frog's digestive juices, um, this beetle, so it's called the Regimbatia attenuata, um, it makes its way down the frog's throat, it swims through the stomach and slides along the intestines and then it climbs out of the frog's butt. So totally I would say, I would say not, not only lives, but lives with a renewed uh, joy at <laughs> joy life. Joy de vivre. Yes. Yeah, uh, after, after passing through that. So this is, this is the first documentation of prey actively escaping through the backside of a predator. And you know what? I think this is a great metaphor for all of us getting through 2020. I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, most of us have been pretty um, preoccupied with earthly matters this year, but there is so much space news this year that we just did not have time to cover it on the show. From hard science to what almost seems like science fiction and possibly even science fiction comedy in the case of (laughs) some of the things that have been going on. So first up in the comedy stakes... We have Mike Pence's announcement from just the other day about the outgoing President Trump's much uh, trumpeted (laughs) Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. Um, As if the US military needed more influence, the almost former president announced the establishment of a Space Force last year to be in charge of... I don't know, space stuff. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the US doesn't have any uh, military vehicles capable of space travel, so that's an interesting concept to uh, make up a space force to, to do it. Um, the vice president announced the other day that the members will be known as Guardians. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians of the Galaxy! Uh, not quite. There's no genetically enhanced raccoons oh. or talking trees uh, oh. known to be involved. Uh, and in reality, due to the election result, the future of the force is somewhat in question at this point. Whether it will continue to be a thing uh, or whether Space Force will <laughs> disappear uh, along with From whence the it came. president. Yeah. Um, in other space news, um, comic book billionaire Elon Musk was pleased to announce 
that plans for landing people on Mars was full steam ahead. He's planning for a 2026 touchdown on Mars with people. Mm-hmm. Um, Musk says he even hopes for a 2024 human Mars landing if we get lucky, he says. Mm. If we get, I don't know what, I don't know luck is what I'd be trying to rely on in such a <laughs> complex mission as landing human beings on another planet. Um, he also tweeted, Mars, here we come, after his prototype Starship exploded on landing after a test flight a couple of weeks ago. It's not really what you want to associate with, uh, you know, a successful landing of humans on Mars, is it? No, he, he insists the ascent phase was a success. Um, though I suspect, as you say, anyone wishing to be on these proposed Mars flights will be hoping for a successful descent phase mm-hmm. as well uh, at the other end. <laughs> Taking off is all good. That's the yeah. easy part, you might yeah. say. Um, so, yeah, interesting. You know, his, his prototype starship exploded and he said, Mars, here we come. So he's nothing if not optimistic. <laughs> Um, they're, they're also planning to get an unmanned, you know, like a, a, a probe up to Mars in the next two years. So, right. Um, he's certainly full steam ahead in that regard. So in more science news, though, uh, missions to the asteroid Ryugu by the Japanese space agency JAXA have been successful with the Hayabusa 2 collecting samples from the asteroid. The Hayabusa 2 landed on the asteroid at the beginning of 2019. So this is almost two years ago. Uh, and then sort of parked above the asteroid. Then it landed again, collected more samples, and then came back to Earth. Mm. Um, and the capsule containing the samples from the probe landed in the South Australian desert earlier in December. And JAXA scientists are very happy with the contents, finding much more than they expected. Um, when it initially picked up the sample the lid of the little sampling thing wouldn't close. So when it took off again, it was trailing bits behind and they kept trying to remotely close the <laughs> lid. Um, and they didn't know if it would all spill out before, oh, <laughs> before they got back. God. But it did It did successfully close and they um, and they collected stuff. And they're very happy because uh, they got, you know, samples that were a few millimetres across even, not just dust, which is what they're actually expecting to get. Haven't aren't, aren't there sort of like um, big sort of public safety signs on the highway saying cover your load or anything? <laughs> exactly, but the tarp just wouldn't tie the down. The tarp wouldn't tie down. Yeah, that was the problem. Um, so those samples, they hope they contain information about not only the formation of asteroids but also the formation of the solar system itself. Um, because obviously these asteroids have been around for a while, so they'll tell us all sorts of things about the early life of the solar system. Also wanted to mention this year marked the first real commercial passenger flight in space with the successful crew rotation of the International Space Station being completed by a commercial carrier. Mm. So old mate Elon, uh, his SpaceX uh, vehicle brought uh, Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley splashed down back in August, returning from the International Space Station, which is actually the first astronaut splashdown since the mid-1970s. So when wow. they got the space shuttle, they didn't 
they didn't do splashdowns anymore. They just landed on the on yeah. the runway. Um, so yeah, but they're back to doing splashdowns, and you know we're into the era of commercial space flight as a as a viable thing. So at least at least some of Elon Musk's projects are working pretty well. Um, yeah, we'll we'll just keep an eye on that on that uh, Mars trip for the meantime. I'm not going to sign up anytime soon. That's all we've got time for for this week and we are rapidly running out of time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. And if you would like to tune in next week, Chris, Stu and Claire will get locked in science. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.